Hello, Linux fans. Welcome to Episode 9 of Destination Linux, where we discuss Linux news, reviews, and anything else fun or interesting in the Linux world. And I'm Rocco, and this is Destination Linux. How are Hi, you, Rob. Rocco? What's How going you? on? We both want to talk at the same time. Nice. On it's all good. Episode. You can talk, man. It's all good. I can talk. We can now, talk see, over each other. See, I feel bad that I talk too much anyway. I listen to our episodes sometimes, and I think to myself, that Rob guy talks all the time. It just won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how are things going with you in the Linux world? Well, Rob, I had some issues with... Um, my KDE and my beloved KDE. Uh, That's all I can say. I have I installed Neon and I updated to 5.9, 5.91 then. And I was just having like minor problems with, you know, how I do things. Like I said before, I need to switch audio outputs. And for the life of me, I just can't seem to think why such a modern desktop like KDE can't just immediately switch audio outputs. Just drives me up a wall. So I ended up on well, not uninstalling. I ended up paving over my KDE Neon Ooh. and switching to <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So well, I won't say that it's like a uh, a permanent switch. It's just for me right at this moment. Um, GNOME just works. Okay. All right. That's all well, I can I'm, say. I, you know, I would love to s- sit here and say, what? The, K- <laughs> the, the KDE guy that I know that loves KDE and has done multiple excellent videos on KDE is using GNOME? Yep. But, but I can't say that because I'm using GNOME right now myself. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, likewise. So, you know, of course, there have been several recent updates, and we're going to kind of get into that and cover some of that in the news. Uh, But, you know, the big update was 5.9. And uh, being a KDE fan myself, you know, I had to jump all over that. And there were a little, there were a few issues. And then for the last episode, and by the way, folks, sorry we we missed a week, but real life kind of kicked in and we weren't able to pull things together. But, uh, Anyway, so we spent on the last episode, what, 40, 45 minutes trying to get sound settings within KDE, correct? I think it was over an hour we spent trying to set the settings up. And that is one area where KDE lacks, and that is the ability to switch settings easily. Right. You know, the, to, to have it just go in, you click it, and it just works. Well, and just a little background on that, it would be one thing if we were just doing one recording but you know when we're doing the podcast or we're doing videos for our channels and things like that it you know sometimes the small things start to add up and within the system that we're set up and using you know for destination linux there are a multitude of settings involved and you know it just it, it really it reached a point for me where i said you know what enough is enough because really and truly i can boot into antergos gnome 
set things up one time and they stay that way and you you boot in and everything just works. Yep. And right now I just want everything to just work, you know, on the sound side of things. Um, I'm not knocking KD. I'm just saying that is one area for all they're doing. It's hard for me to even say this, Rocco, because you'll know where I'm coming from here. For all they're doing, because they're releasing updates left and right. In fact, you've got, you installed the latest, what is it? 5.9.2. Yeah. I mean, these guys are, are pushing them out. But so it's hard for me to say this, but focus on your sound settings and make them simple is all I'm asking for. Yep. Well, KD is always known for being extensive. You got tons and tons of settings. But at some point, the default settings have to be normal. They have to be easily done. Otherwise, you start to lose people. And specifically in the sound area, I know we're focusing on that, but specifically in that area because that's what I'm that's what matters to me right at the moment. They are not simple. And they're getting better. Uh, they actually have switched things around to where, you know, when you switch an audio output, uh, you don't have to restart the application, which is great. But the problem ends up being that I have to go through probably eight or ten clicks in order to change my sound output. When I can do two clicks in GNOME and it immediately switches. So I have to actually turn off other outputs uh, turn on the right output, you know, from the sound settings itself, and it just becomes a hassle after a while. So for right now, just like with Arch, where I was on Arch, and although there were no issues with it, like no major issues, it was just little things here and there that I had to fix on a daily basis that it it ran into too much time. You know, your your time is precious. You know, we all got day jobs that we do. So you go to your day job, you come home, and you need to sit down and do work, and sometimes the operating system ends up getting in the way more than it helps you. And what I needed to do is to get out of the way so I can do something. And that's why I switched. Now, I did install Intergos GNOME, and it was fine, except for the fact that the build for the auto key program kept failing. And that's something that I have to have. I use on a uh, regular basis, so... I had to actually switch to the Ubuntu GNOME version. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, it, it's in two weeks we could be talking about KDE and how much we love having it on our desktop again because the rate of change that we're seeing within KDE. Yep. And I'm, I don't mean just little updates. There were two, uh, would you call them medium-sized updates, or how would you rate them? Well, I think the 5.9 came out. That was a huge update. Yeah. Uh, 5.91 and now 5.92 is coming out. And a lot of it is bug fixes, which is actually what they need. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 5.9 wasn't quite as stable as 5.8. Few regressions here and there. But as you can see, they're working to fix them. And I'll tell you what, by, you know, 5.9.3, I think, is due out the 28th of February if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And they're going, they're, they're continually updating. So by the time it gets to 5.9.4 or 5, it should be just as stable as 5.8 was. Yeah, we'll keep our eye. And um, one of the viewers of the show of Destination Linux, Acid Monkey, had installed 5.9.2 and reported back that 
a lot of the issues he was having had been fixed and that it seemed very fast and smooth again. So, um, and that's going to vary from system to system. You know, you may have yep. issues that show up on your system that I, I don't see or, you know, vice versa. Well, I installed the update and although there were many fixes in it, I still had the uh, system settings crashing going on. So that's yeah. still something that's out there. Well, for me, until I see some major changes in, until my buddy Rocco says, "Hey Rob, guess what? <laughs> they have fixed all. They have fixed all the sound setting issues. Um, I'm probably going to hang out on GNOME for a while, just because, again, like you said, there's it's been really busy lately. Um, you know, in the real world, I'll call it for me. And like you said, when I sit down and need to get my work done, I need to get it done and get it. You know, ho- hopefully, the system's out of the way, and you're not caught up in in changing things, but also for our channels, it's just nice to be able to log in, start your video and not have to concern yourself with making sure that, or get halfway through the video and realize, Oh, I forgot to change this setting. Yep. You know, for the recording. Well, just to make it easier, Rob, you can install KDE connect, which is one of my favorite KDE applications. You can install that on any other distribution like, Hey, gnome. Yes. So I installed it. Um, with a PPA command that you don't have to worry about and it's working flawlessly. So I have my KDE connect on Ubuntu GNOME. That's great. That's great. Well, we've got some news. Um, well, before we go any further, Rob, yeah, we have to, we have to put a shout out for the destination Linux telegram group. Oh yes. Yes. Because we have a link in the description, but just in case anybody wants to join, because there's like, I don't know, two people in it, me and you. <laughs> no, there's, one or, there's a few people in it, but uh, if you'd like to join us on the Telegram group, we will put a link in the description. But just so you know, it is there. Thank you, Rocco, for remembering that. Yeah, we've we've had that up for a couple of weeks now. A couple of weeks. And we've got a few people that have joined up, and we've had some fun conversation, but the more the merrier. Uh, for sure there. And so, yeah, definitely uh, come in and say hello. Uh, share with us, you know, kind of what you're running. Um, you know, if you've got comments about the show or anything like that, we're happy to hear those as long as they're nice and positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll take any comments. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got more news this week. You know, you know how it is in any given subject. You've got some weeks where things are just kind of slow and out of lull. And yep. it's felt like for me, I don't know about you, but, you know, I watch, I click into distro watch. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe once a day at least. Mm, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you click in at least three times. So, so the news has been a little slow, but this week we've got, uh, I think a pretty good lineup as far as Linux news is concerned. And I want to kick things off Rocco with a little hardware news. Now, a guy like you, you could probably... You uh, want some coffee, Rob? Oh, that would be great. Let me pass my mug over. Thank you, well, Rocco. There you go. Thank you. you. have it. <laughs> so a guy like you could probably afford uh, two or three of these right? without much thought here. But, what are we uh, talking about first, Rob? This is a little hardware that you might be interested in. So this is a GPD Pocket Cherry Trail, and it's actually... Um, a seven inch. The new one is a seven inch. So this is an Atom based. It's an Intel Atom X seven based system that will run Windows 10 or Ubuntu 16.04. So it's a 
a full-fledged mini computer with eight gigs of of uh, memory, 128 gigabytes of eMMC flash uh, space storage, seven-inch multi-touch display with a 1920 by 1200 resolution, a 16:10 aspect ratio. Now it's got a mini HDMI port, uh, you know, audio out, microphone jack, uh, one USB three port. Um, well, that's a, a Type C port, and then one USB three point Type A port. Yep. Uh, you know, it's as far as hardware goes. I mean, if you look at the device, it's a nice looking device, and I've always kind of had a dream that you know there would be this ultimate portable, small, long, long life battery device that I could carry around and use, you know, as opposed to using the full fledged laptop tablets have never really done it for me. 100%. You could carry this in your pocket though, man, this thing looks great and it has some great specs on it. I mean, geez, this, these specs are better than half the people's computers out there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the well, the EMMC flash 128 gigabytes. I mean, compared to a spinning drive, you know, right. eight gigabytes of memory, a 1900 by 1200 resolution screen. Yeah, I mean, this thing is only what seven inches big, I think. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's as compact as you're going to find. Now the keyboard is kind of more of the chiclet style keyboard. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about a a very small space there, of course, just because of the size of the device. So you're not going to you know, type out your next novel or anything like that. But it has pretty much every key that you would need yes. in order to use it. Yes, it does. Now, the way this is being done is through um, Indiegogo. And so their their funding goal is $200,000. And mm-hmm. if you go in and you are supporting this project, um, here comes the kicker. You can, oh, boy. Yeah, you can purchase this at release for three ninety nine. That's is, a that's a steep price for a seven inch computer. Now that's if you support Rocco. So uh, if you just want to buy it outright when it releases for retail, you're talking six hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. Six hundred dollars so. for a seven inch PC. I mean, okay, it's a great idea, and I love the I love the whole idea of being able to take it with you and do right. whatever you need to do, and pretty much hide it anywhere. I mean, you can put it in your jacket pocket for crying out loud, but. That's a steep price for me. You, anyway, I'm not a I'm not a rich guy here, dude. I'll tell you what this thing reminds me of in size and just kind of overall design. Casio. Do you remember the name Casio? Yeah. So Casio back in the day, before this is before the Palm Pilot came out, and so I'm really dating myself here. Yep. This was before the Palm Pilot, before Microsoft had their pocket PCs, uh, way before the iPhone ever came out. Casio had a PDA, a personal digital assistant, yep. um, that was about six and a half or seven inches, if I remember correctly, folded up clamshell design with a chiclet style keyboard and, you know, their own little OS running with a, you know, kind of a, not a real grayscale screen, but one of those green tint. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but. Man, this thing was great. It had calendar function, currency converter, uh, tip converter, all these, you know, built-in static apps. But it was about the same size. And like you said, you'd fold the thing up, put it in your jacket pocket, and you had all this access to your customer data and all this info, you know, in a device that ran off of watch batteries, essentially. So for the time that it was built in, it was good. 
Yeah, but if you look at the, look at the two, I mean, design wise, that's what you're talking about. But think about it from the aspect of how much more you could do with this. Yep. You know, so and you can either get Windows 10 or Ubuntu on it. So Windows what? <laughs> I mean, if you're a Windows fan, go right ahead. But yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think it's a great idea. I think um, you know the price is a little steep, but yeah. I think the specs on it are awesome. So. Hey, well, if you got the extra money, do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if if you've got the need and you've got the funds, I think, you know, and I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to see a video review on it, you know, right. once it releases. So, so uh, Rocco, what do you feel about uh, a, a government that decides to dump Linux? Well, Rob, I hate to bring up governments because, like, uh, that's not a subject I really want to talk about. <laughs> but uh, Munich is probably going to switch back from Linux Mint because they had switched all of their uh, computers over to Linux Mint originally, and they're going to probably end up going back to Windows. And as I'm reading this article, all I can, you know, I'm I'm looking at it, and there's got to be more to the story. And then as you research it and go further with it, then you, you know, you kind of find out the real reasons. and, And you know what? It always goes back to money. Yep. Always. So basically what you can come up with is there's a, the mayor of Munich pretty much has a, uh, a goal in mind, you know, and that's to get Microsoft back into uh, their country. And, you know, they, Microsoft obliged and now they kind of have to go along with putting windows back on. So it's kind of like a, you pay me, I'll pay you kind of thing. And I think it's I think it's ridiculous, but hey, whatever they want to do. Well, it's like you said; it boils down to you know, and it's like everything: politics and money, politics yep. and money. Well, I love hearing stories about you know where uh, countries and governments have embraced Linux, and and then you, you'll read about how much money they've saved or were able to save. Yep. And let's face it: not everyone involved in government is tech savvy. Right. And so they rely sometimes on someone who maybe comes in and says, hey, here's why you need to do this. And, you know, a lot of times it is financial that, you know, they're looking at the numbers saying, hey, how can we save money? You know, we need to keep the lights on. Um, yeah. And, and Linux is a, an obvious choice there. But I think, you know, you said it earlier, you get money and politics involved and you combine those two. And well, this switch this switch back to windows is all pretty much based on a deal with yeah. microsoft so and that's where that's where it goes sour for me you know what i mean like it's great that they uh, switched over to linux mint and if they had said today they're going to switch over to windows nobody would care because no, no. i mean who what government doesn't run windows okay right but it's what the fact of the reasons run? behind it what government doesn't run windows 95 <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All right, Rob. Um, what do we got next? Well, I think there's a little bit of flat pack news. Flat packs. That sounds familiar. We covered flat packs with Solus, I think, ain't it? Yeah, with Ike. He yep. didn't have anything to say about it. It was strange. Huh. He had nothing to say. <laughs> nothing to say. Two hours and more. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we got uh, Flatpak 0.8.3. That's 
released. And I guess the biggest thing is it comes or it's able to work out of the box with the in OpenGL drivers, which includes the NVIDIA proprietary drivers. So that's definitely a good release. And we also have the NVIDIA 378.13 release. Ah. So this is the first major release of the 378 series. Um, they had a few beta drivers, but this is the first stable release. And it, it it's not, you know, earth-shattering uh, changes in here, but they do add the ability to view your prime displays uh, in the config settings and, you know, added more support for different hardware. So if you want the latest release of the NVIDIA drivers, it is already in the PPA. Nice, nice. You know, I... I guess my heart goes out sometimes to folks with NVIDIA cards. I've got an all Intel system and there's so many times where, you know, maybe I've talked about a distro or the subject comes up or you're reading through forums and there's so much in way of conversation back and forth about NVIDIA support. Yep. Uh, now you have an NVIDIA card. I have an NVIDIA card and you know, like the problem that I had earlier where I installed the NVIDIA drivers on here and then I get a black screen because I guess Wayland is by default is not working right with the NVIDIA drivers. So I know this was brought up a couple of weeks ago, but I never really researched it and I just actually switched to KDE, back to KDE. So I'm back on GNOME right now and I would love to know how to fix the issues with the Wayland and NVIDIA drivers, because when I install the NVIDIA drivers, I boot up, I reboot, and then I never even get to the login screen. I get to a black screen. Yeah. So there's no way for me to do anything except go into a terminal and log in. Now, I, I had to actually switch to a terminal and remove the NVIDIA drivers altogether just to reboot into GNOME. So if anybody has uh, any information on how to actually install the NVIDIA drivers and get it to work i would appreciate it yeah that would be very helpful so well one of the things so you're hitting a black screen you're not even getting an option to nope. choose say x11 is to booting in under x11 as opposed to wayland no and if i remember correctly it has something to do with uh, there's a way in the terminal to uh, switch uh display managers and i can't remember exactly how to do it i did you know, quickly try to get it on my phone, but I couldn't find it. So I just removed the NVIDIA drivers altogether and rebooted. But like I said, if you know how to do it, let me know. Well, we were talking earlier about the uh, GNOME desktop. Yep. And this is new to me, so uh, I'm excited to see this because, you know, we were talking earlier, Rocco, about the pace at which KDE is releasing, you know, not only major updates, uh, or you know, but also quick bug fixes and Yep. Uh, changes at a rapid pace. I I would say with GNOME, I, you know, I wouldn't say that they're on a fast pace. Really. <laughs> <laughs> they're on a slower pace. We'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, not a, not a Zootopia DMV scene pace. Right, but... exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some news there that I'm excited about. So GNOME or GNOME, whichever you prefer, has a 3.24 beta release and uh so it's actually 3.23.90 but they're going with uh, .24 which is good uh so it's now available for testing and uh so some of the core changes 
are including the network manager um, with many new features, they say, and fixes for keyboard navigation in Eye of Gnome, um, settling improvements uh, for Epiphany, and let's see here, what else are they doing? Calendar improvements, uh, many improvements. Now, this was something I was anxious to kind of see. Many improvements to different GNOME control center panels. So kind of anxious to see that. And we were also earlier talking about Wayland support. Mm -hmm. So it looks like there's some additional support for the Wacom or Wacom, however you pronounce it, uh, settings. So if you have, uh, you know, a Wacom device, uh, or anything like that. It looks like there's some added support there for Wayland and then snap improvements in the uh, GNOME software center and then GTK 3.89.4 improvements as well as uh, improvements within GNOME shell and Mutter. So um, also bug fixes within evolution and cleanups to GNOME music and uh, that looks like that wraps it up. We're going to put a link into this. Like I said, this was kind of hot off the press news. And so we decided at last minute to definitely add this into the show. But that uh, that's just a beta, right? That's not the actual release. Just a beta, not the release. So nothing to get too crazy about. But uh, again, I, I was excited to see that because I've been checking their page frequently. Yep. You know, as I've been using GNOME to see kind of, hey, what's going on? And actually, I don't know if you've been to their page, but it's not like they have a, or I haven't been able to find like a news section, like here's what's coming up. Have you found anything like that? No, I don't think they have a news. Well, I don't know of a news section. They do every once in a while release a video on YouTube. That's true. Yeah. And give you like what's upcoming, like a little feature here and there. But other than that, no, I don't know of a. You'd have to be an insider, I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But well, we what? have a non-beta release here, Rob. Plasma yes. 5.9.2 is out. And although I have, like, you know, moved over to GNOME for the moment, uh, I still love my KDE and love the fact that they continually update this thing. So 5.9.2 comes with many fixes. A lot of A lot of the fixes that you're looking at on the release notes are just crashing fixes and bug fixes. Now they do add small things like they added the oxygen look and feel. Mm. So there's another look and feel added to it. Um, a lot of integration uh, support for presenting windows and all kinds of stuff, but nothing earth shattering It is mostly bug fixes. And that's why I said before where, you know, by the time they do their maybe third or fourth release point, it'll actually be pretty much awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You mentioned something. You mentioned look and feel. That was one of the areas with the initial 5.9. I went in and there were four or five brand new look and feel. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you want to call them? Packs, maybe? Look and feel themes, themes. is what they're called. Yeah. And they're going to be um, actually, they have a look and feel theme explorer that you can actually install and use to create look and feel themes. So oh, that's going to be good. That'll be cool. Uh, that's where I ran into a little problem as I was in there popping in additional look and feels. And uh, I feel funny saying that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it, it kind of messed things up. Maybe I applied too many or something. Well, it's not a perfect system. I mean, when you go into the KDE settings, 
it's very easy to have something not look the way it's supposed to. Like when you do a look and feel theme, right now the way it is, everything has to be installed on your system. Like um, when you download a, a look and feel theme, some of them don't include the icons that the theme creator wanted in there. So they're working on that, and that's what the uh, Look and Feel Explorer is all about, is to create the dependencies. So if this theme needs a certain icon set, it'll automatically pull it in. Nice. Or if it needs a certain window border, it'll automatically pull it in. So they're working on that. That's nice. So what are you going to do with all your time now? So once they get that perfected... <laughs> use I mean, it. It'll I mean... be great. I can use it. <laughs> but 5.9.3 is coming out February 28th. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to give a shout out to Heather, who uh, listens to Destination Linux. Uh, she brought to my attention uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact, that Ubuntu 16.04 has a new LTS release uh, that brings it up to version 16.04.2. So lots of bug fixes, uh, hardware stacks, adjustments uh, to support new hardware, uh, we'll put a link to the release announcement, uh, but that's certainly, you know, Ubuntu is continues to be a, uh, you know, highly rated distribution with tons of users. You know, I'm, I'm amazed, too, at how many people, well, I get it, but you've got a lot of people who just are in no hurry to leave 1604. No, well, it, I'm looking here, and it says users of Ubuntu 1404 will be offered an automatic upgrade to 1604.2. Oh, through wow. the update manager. So, I mean, yeah, there's a, something to be said for all the people that are using earlier LTS versions like 1404 or 1604. Right. So, right. And it covers everything. Uh, Zubuntu, Mythubuntu, Ubuntu Gnome, Lubuntu. Boy, all of the Ubuntus. All of the Ubuntus. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't really want to read through all of the Ubuntus. Yeah, you don't have to read through all of the Ubuntus. <laughs> so, so thank you, Heather, for bringing that to our attention. We appreciate it. Yep. Rocco, does that do it for the news? No, we got more news, don't we? We got more news? What do we, we got? got? More, we got more news. It's my fault, man. I skipped over it. This is one I love. Uh, so Cody uh, Krypton has released uh, version 17. And for those of you who use Cody, I think you're really going to appreciate um, all of the uh, UI changes and everything. That's so wait, involved. for the people that don't know, what is Cody, Rob? Well, so very good. Very good point, Rocco. So Cody is a media... Uh, how would you classify Cody? Because it can do so many things. So it's, you know, it's a way to watch your media... You can install this on your PC. Uh, you can add Kodi to various Google boxes or G boxes. In my case, I have Kodi installed on a NVIDIA uh, streaming device. Um, and once installed, uh, you can then go up, go in and set up various uh, sources to obtain media. Now, this is where it gets a little sticky uh, some of that media can be brought in and it's 100% legit, meaning you're mm -hmm. getting sources that are free and available. Right. Or, you, or you could set it up to add your own media to it or use it as a, I guess, a streaming device, if you will. Um, but then there are also sources that you can set up that are considered illegal. Correct. So uh, there, that's why I say, what would you call it? 
Uh, well, I mean, I would call it a media center. Media center. There you go. Where you know you can basically play all of your local files, movies, yeah. music, um, and but then you can add sources like different TV channels that are available. Uh, you know, from around the world. Live, live streaming. Live TV, TV, you know, like, I mean, they, they got channels like the Food Network and all kinds of things like that built into Cody. And then, like you said, you can, you know, add repositories just like you can add in Ubuntu. You can add repositories to pull in other media. Right. You just got to be careful of what repositories you add so that you're not adding something that you think is legit above the table and it's really not because some of these PPAs or repositories actually stream movies from um, copyright infringement sites, I should say. Yes. Yeah. So, and and a caution there, uh, been reading a lot of news recently where, and it's mainly the guys who are selling the Google boxes and they call it uh, Cody. Let's see. What are they calling it? They're calling it uh, like Cody fully loaded. Mm-hmm. Meaning that when you buy this uh, box, it comes with those uh, illegal, if you will. I guess they're they're considered illegal um, repositories already set up and in place. Right. So immediately when you log in to say the video section, um, you're going to be able to pull in and stream, and you could get movies that are currently playing at the theater. Right. I mean. Um, so you got to be careful there. So that's why I just say, if if you want to if you want to check out Cody, just a word of caution there. Right. Uh, no one knows, you know, how far this will go as far as the crackdown. And uh, these are, I mean, there are arrests being made. So, well, the other thing you got to be careful about is when you're adding these add-ons of what they're called, and the add-ons you would add a repository to. Certain ones have been called out for actually putting in things into Cody to um, almost like a malware type situation where they push their own add-on and um, go against a, a, a add-on that is like similar to it. So you just got to be careful with what you're adding to it. But I think it's a, overall, it's a great system. It's just, you can't let that stuff ruin the Cody experience. That's exactly right. And it's like anything else. You've got a few bad apples out there yep. who, you know, who ruined the whole bunch. Now, Cody is capable of other things too. So you could set up your music. And so, you know, depending on how you're connecting, it could be through your PC or through a box or something like that. Uh, so you could have your music that you could stream, uh, but it all co- also could be used as a PVR. So for uh, for recording. So let's say you had a media PC set up and you had that connected through your uh, cable box, for example. Um, you could use Cody and set it up to record your favorite shows during the day. So it's it's really I'm going to call it somewhat modular and it can be exactly what you want it to be for your media. Uh, some people just use it for watching content. Others use it for streaming and sharing content, you know, from device to device. Some people use it as a PVR. And then other people use it completely illegally to stream thousands of movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so that's what Cody is. So yep. what do we have for the changes? 
Well, lots of updates, bug fixes, uh, and you notice also a big UI change. And that's the thing I appreciate the most. So the UI uh, for Krypton has been totally revamped, very polished, very professional looking. It's faster. Uh, I have noticed that search is faster. And uh, so that's some of the, you know, the surface things. But there's lots of specific changes for Linux. And some of these, Rocco, I'm not going to get into because it's really way over my head as far as video acceleration and things like that. Uh, but we're going it's to definitely put- over my head, man. <laughs> yeah, so, All um, I know is it plays videos. Well, there's been improvements for ultra HD decoding, 4K resolution, um, you know, and, and um, there are people that I know that they want to watch now that they have 4K capable devices, you want to be able to enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, of know? course. So not going to name any names, Rocco, as far as people who just have to have whatever the highest quality <laughs> setting. <laughs> okay, I like high quality. You can call me out on that. I, I enjoy high quality stuff, you know. So but if no. I want to, you know, view something on my you know, full screen, it I have a a nice size monitor, so I want to view it full screen. I want it to be clear. Absolutely. So I go for the highest quality video, sure. Absolutely. That's what I like about you, man, high quality. (laughs) High quality. So, no, so those are good improvements. Uh, Improved OpenGL support. I mean, there's improved NVIDIA hardware acceleration support. Improvements on uh, AMD ATI uh, video acceleration. OpenMax video acceleration. I mean, this is a big update. So we'll put the link to the page, which also gives you the terminal commands to update this within Ubuntu. Uh, so if you decide to install this and give it a look. But I would overall, definitely say it's worth giving it a look. Oh, definitely. And I mean, you, you've got it. You're updated now. So, I mean, would you agree the UI improvement is, I mean, it's, it's spectacular, awesome. man. Yeah. Compared to the original, ver- you're talking like going from the 90s to the 2000s, you know, yes. Even at this, uh, uh, um, what do you call? I have lost for the word there. This uh, ten-year period. What do you oh, call yeah. that? Oh, for the uh, decade. Decade. That's what I was yeah. looking for, Rob. The decade. Yes, okay, the so decade. it brings it up into this decade, and um, it's definitely a huge improvement. So, I mean, now if you're used to the old version, they did move some buttons around, settings around, so you don't go about it the same way. So a lot of the tutorials, like on YouTube and stuff, you're not going to see the the right layout because they're, most of them are based on the original layout, but it's definitely a welcomed improvement. Yeah. Now, if you add a specific channel or something like that or get that set up within Cody, the other thing I've noticed is an improvement in speed You know, for searches. So if you've got something in particular that you wanted to find a particular episode or something you had set up, or maybe you've got, uh, you know, for example, my box has USB support, SD card support. So sometimes I'll take content, you know, family movies or whatever, and I'll just, because it's connected to the family television, uh, you know, we want to see vacation videos or something like that. I'll pop in an SD card and, to be able to go in and search for a specific date or specific function or something that I've renamed, it was not bad previously, but now it's, I mean, it's just super fast, butter fast. Butter fast. Butter. Yep. Smooth, fast, slick like butter. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. 
uh, All right, Rob, we have an Android app pick of the week. So oh, yes. You brought this up. Yes. And I am not real familiar with this because I have never actually flashed any ROMs or did anything other than the stock Android things on my phone. So Man, we got to work on you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the app pick of the week? So the app pick of the week this week is called Open G Apps. Now, G Apps, uh, if there are people out there listening who you've never flashed a custom ROM or anything like that, the G Apps are a portion of this custom ROM that you must have if you want to use the Google Play Store and services. Um, so the so a custom ROM does not have the... Not the all Google Play custom, stores. Not all custom ROMs. So basically you have, and this may wind up being longer than you want it to be, so stop me, Rocco, if, if you're just... We got time, Rob. Go ahead. All right. Sounds good. So you've got really basically two different types of custom ROMs for your phone. You could have a custom ROM that is based off of the manufacturer's operating system. So in my case, that would be Samsung. Right. Uh, do you have a Samsung phone? No, I have an LG phone. Okay, LG. So LG, most of the major manufacturers have their own UI, their own skin, their own icons, yep. and everything built into the phone. So when you get that from your carrier or you know, if you buy it direct from LG, the interface that you're using is going to be what they applied to the phone. Now, underlying that are going to be the Google Play services or the Google services. So that could include... So, for example, Maps, the Play Store, Contacts, Calendar. In fact, you could install those Google services on your LG phone and set those up as default in a lot of cases. Yep. All right. So that's what we're talking about when we say OpenG apps. It's that set of Google services and software that is available uh, for, for most phones that you purchase. Well, for all Android phones. Right. All right, so you have ROMs that would pull from, in your case, let's say LG. So uh, there could be a ROM that is based off of your LG ROM, and that more than likely would already include the Google Play services and access to the Google Apps. What what advantage would that give me to run a custom ROM that's based on the phone that I have? Okay, is there any software on your current ROM that you don't use and you say to yourself, why did they put this on my phone? Yeah, as a matter of fact, there is. (laughs) Okay, so that's the case for most people, and it depends on your carrier a lot of times. And I'll tell you one that's terrible for it, Verizon. So if you buy a phone through Verizon, the minute you turn this thing on, there's going to be five or six Verizon apps on there, and you're like, what is this? I don't need this. Right. So that's the case with most carriers and most phones that you buy through, you know, the big four carriers or whatever. So the the advantage is there could be a custom ROM that has removed all of the carrier bloat. Okay. Ah, okay. So, so that's you, the advantage. That's a huge advantage. So, you know, it saves space. You don't have this stuff that you never use on there that sometimes bugs you or pops right. up and gives you an update that you just <laughs> you don't even want. I'm updating something I never even use. Use. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So so that custom ROM could remove all of that. Or that custom ROM may also be uh, something that has been updated in a way that gives you maybe new features or features 
let's say, that exactly the carriers aren't happy with, such as the ability to sh- create a hotspot on your phone without, uh-huh. okay, without paying any additional charges or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So there's, there's all kinds of advantages. All right, so there's that type of ROM that's based off of your phone's existing OS, all right? Okay. Then there are ROMs that are void of any of that. They're, uh, they're, they're ROMs that are based off of more of a stock Android, if you will. So what you're saying is it's an Arch ROM. It's an Arch ROM almost, <laughs> or, or almost like a KDE Neon ROM. Yep. So it's a base platform. It'll have your basic functions such as phone and calendar, um, you know, but it's all based off of more stock Android, if you will. There'll be zero carrier bloat, nothing to do with your carrier on this ROM. Okay. But it does not include because Google doesn't allow it to come in unless I think you're licensed. I don't want to get too deep on that side, but one of the more well-known stock Android ROMs was CyanogenMod. Yep. CyanogenMod kind of closed their doors, but but a group of people came in and took over, and now it's called Lineage OS. Okay? Right. It's, st- it's still pretty much the same as far as being a stock Android ROM. All right, so once you find the ROM that matches your phone, you then have to obtain the OpenG app. So this has taken me forever to get to OpenG apps, folks. I, I apologize. It's all good. But, but, uh, but the OpenG apps are that it's a package of applications that could include uh, Google Play. It could include – you could build it out. So there are various right. versions. There could be Pico, Micro, uh, Mini. They're all named in a way that when you click on, you'll see they could include – more or less of the Google packages and services and applications. So you could go with, say, a Google uh, Micro, which only included the basics, the Play Store, text-to-speech, right, and you know maybe Google Contacts and Google Calendar, and that's it. So it's really up to you to choose within the open apps. Do you want the full-service open apps that gives you everything – you know, you could get the full-on package, which would have YouTube. It would have calendar, contacts, phone, and anything else that Google offers as a downloadable application. Right. So, OpenG apps, you used to obtain that through specific sites where you would go to and download the package itself, and you would put that on your flash drive of your phone so that when you flash the custom ROM, you add that package in, the OpenG apps package in, and then when you boot your phone, those services and applications are there and ready to use, ready to set up. Are you with me? So I guess the other advantage would be to completely remove Google from your phone? That's an option. And there are ways, and if you remember in previous episodes, we were talking about alternative um, application stores. Yeah, F-Droid and that. F-Droid and stuff like that, exactly. So that is an option. You may decide that for the most part, you just you don't want that Google stuff on your phone, right. with the exception of the ROM itself. Well, um, my man Phelan from uh, Late Night Linux, he uh, he is all open source stuff. I mean, all he wants is open, he stays away from Google, so I guess this is what he does, yep. is flash a custom ROM on his phone. But... Um, 
Yeah, that so, would be great to get, you know, Google off of everything that's on your phone. I mean, like, because they monitor everything. Well, they do. They do. But, well, there are ways around it. It's Again, it goes back to how much time do you have to mm-hmm. set it up. Realistically, Rocco, and I don't, again, I want to come back to OpenG apps and what it does. So you can download OpenG apps from the Play Store. Uh, and what OpenG apps will do is once it's installed on your phone is it'll go out to the OpenG app source and look for any updates to the OpenG apps packages. Okay. And then if they're available, you can then download those where previously you would have to go check the website and basically remember to go check and see if there are any updates to any of the OpenG app packages, be it Pico, Micro, whatever you chose. Uh, and then if there are, then you would download those, copy those over to your phone and wow. update those. Wow, that's a pain. <laughs> so, so OpenG Apps is an application that resides on your phone. It goes out, searches for you, looks for any updates, lets you know what the frequency of or how frequent those updates are by date. And then you can choose whether to apply those updates or not. So it's an awesome app. So it makes uh, it easier makes it easier it's free it's free with uh ads and uh that was easy <laughs> i love easy bro <laughs> it is easy. now i want to back up to something uh okay. you could actually uh on the subject of custom roms you could take a custom rom uh skip right over the open g apps uh go to say fdroid or somewhere like that and pull in if you chose all of the Microsoft services. What? So, no, I mean, and you know, people are going to knock on this or whatever. Microsoft, but, we don't talk about Microsoft here. <laughs> we, we don't. <laughs> but I actually was reading. I brought that up because I was I was reading. Um, I don't know if it was a blog. I guess you'd call it a blog. But uh, where basically the guy took his stock Android ROM and he, you know, used OneNote he used OneDrive, right. you know. He used all of Microsoft services for what he was doing, and he stepped through the process of how he got his phone set up to be basically a Microsoft services phone, you know, on an Android device. Hey, man, I don't knock anybody for using what works. Okay, right. I make fun of Microsoft and everything because you know it's fun. But right. uh, you know, if that's what works for you better, then that's what you got to run. It's simple as that. I don't, I don't follow the. Uh, I don't prescribe to the theory of we got to do everything open source. What we got to do is we got to do everything that works right. That works right. right for our particular situation. That's right. But so back to your phone, Rocco, you've got a couple of apps there that the carrier decided, hey, Rocco needs these. Yeah. You know, he definitely needs these. In fact, we want to give him a pop up once a month that says, hey, Rocco, sign up for our uh, 99 cent ID service. <laughs> you know that we can tack yep. onto your phone bill. So the benefit there is if you get a custom ROM and you've removed that stuff, well, it's not running in the background. It's not eating battery life. It's not bugging you. You know. Right. So there are hardware advantages, battery saving advantages, uh, and you can breathe space savings. Space savings, lots of space savings, and really you can breathe incredible new life into old hardware. So I've got a Galaxy Note three. Mm-hmm. running the most current Android 7.1 Nougat operating system with the latest Google apps available, now thanks to uh, 
open apps, G open apps. And so I'm essentially running on my Galaxy Note 3 what some guy who just purchased a brand new Pixel yep. is running on his phone. Well, I would love to start doing that, but... Here's um, the problem. Here's the problem. What's the problem? I know you already have the distro hopping bug, Rocco. That's this, what I'm saying. You would, <laughs> you'd need a whole new support group, buddy. Well, the other thing is I, I only have one phone, so I don't want to take the risk of right. being out of commission with it for a while, so I'll right. just hold off on that. Right. But it well, looks like day. a great app. It's a great app. So, yeah, definitely check it out if you're a uh, custom phone ROM hopper. <laughs> custom uh, say, ROM hopper. Yeah, <laughs> we coined another past, hopping Say that scenario. five times. That's right. That's right. So, well, very so, good. Rob, you're running GNOME. Yes, sir. And you're running Antergos, which is Arch, and I'm running Ubuntu. Yes. So, let's talk about the differences between the two. So I installed Antergos, and one of the things that I had, I loved having the AUR, and it was only on for a couple hours and because I was setting it up and found out that I couldn't build my favorite program, which is AutoKey, because the build in the AUR failed to build a couple times. And again, I don't have time to worry about going out and getting the fixes for this stuff. So I ended up switching to Ubuntu. So there's minor changes between Antergos and Ubuntu, like certain extensions are enabled by default in Antergos and they're not in Ubuntu. Um, when you search for the full screen launcher for a program, it actually will search the GNOME Software Center in there as well and show you the icon where you just hit enter and it goes to the install process of installing it. So there are minor details. What did you notice that's different? Well, I, I, I didn't run um, Ubuntu GNOME long enough to, and I installed it uh, right before I put the brand new KDE 5.9 on a system. Right. And um, I didn't notice any major differences out of the gate other than you have to spend some time setting up things a little more in Ubuntu GNOME than you do in Antaragus GNOME. Right. Uh, it's it's, and I can't recall, Rocco. Did you have to install Dash to Dock, for example, in Ubuntu GNOME? Oh, man, that's a good question. I I don't remember. I believe I had to. I don't remember. To well, see, honest, I don't want to say I did because I don't right. remember exactly. I seem to recall that that I did have to install that, and so the setup process in itself was not as quick with getting the GNOME desktop set up the way I like to use it. Right. Which boils down to a couple things, uh, adding the proper extensions, which we're getting ready to have. I think it's going to be some fun conversation about. Yep. Uh, and then the dash to dock, of course, to put the uh, panel, the dock panel down at the bottom where I like it. And uh, gives you lots of other options there too, as far as appearance of the dock. So back to your original question for me, I think for me, it was more of, it was more time consuming in getting things set up compared to Antergos. Well, I think that, uh, it definitely is more time consuming. Uh, but I think for me in particular, 
I feel um, that I'm not going to break the system every <laughs> right. while. I th- I, PPAs are a pain to add and set up, especially if you're going to add multiple ones. Like I know I add probably 10 PPAs to my machine when I install something. So that's a little uh, pain of a process. But they also do have a welcome screen in the Ubuntu yeah. uh, GNOME version where you know it sets up your wi-fi it already has the drivers you just connect to it and stuff like that so it's definitely a little bit more time setting up but i think it'll be worth it in the end so we got extensions rob well we do but before we jump over to extensions i want to pick up on something you just said um what's that and it's it's hard for me to to say this because i chose i chose it for a specific reason so with interrogus you have uh, what is called a, it's a rolling release, meaning you have frequent updates to the latest packages, whatever those packages are. One of the issues that I have found, and you, you hit the nail on the head, is I get updates at a rate that makes Windows 10 some days look slow. I mean, <laughs> it seems like every time I boot in fresh boot, there's an update. Sometimes there's two updates a day. Yep. And, okay, so that's why I said it's hard for me to say this, because I specifically chose a rolling release model distro. That That's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've got GNOME set up with all these extensions we're about to discuss, and it's set up just the way I need it, and it's working great. And every time I click apply on one of those updates, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this going to break something? Don't let this break something. You know, please don't let this break something. Uh, because nothing ever breaks when you're just playing around on your computer changing wallpapers. Nope. <laughs> so, so, it always so, breaks right before you have to actually do something, too. Right, right. So if I run into that issue, Ubuntu GNOME, I think, would be the more stable way to go. Um, well, when I ran Intergos, you are right. It had updates two three times a day sometimes and i'm like how can these like who's actually updating all of these programs there's, yeah. there's a little man in my machine updating all of these programs like uh constantly but and now on the opposite end of that for ubuntu it only checks daily and i don't know when the what the process is for when it checks but it didn't tell me there were updates and i even rebooted once or twice in between that time, yet when I went to the terminal to install a program, it told me I had 36 upgradable packages. So I right. don't know exactly where the disconnect is with the updates there, but one update's too slow, one update's too fast. So right. there you have it. Now, I'm going to go into preferences here because something just struck me as we were talking. And uh, you can actually go in and set how often to check for updates. So For for yes, you can. I don't have anything further than I mean anything sooner than daily. Okay. So okay. that's well, basically the options. And that's going to be kind of the the uh, I think the fix, you know, with all these super frequent updates is you can change it here and I'm just bumping it up here Rocco. I'm changing it to 48 hours. There you go. So we'll see <laughs> if that solves the problem. And you know, and I I bring that up just because um someone would take the time to let us know, Hey, you can change that. Right. Um, and so, yes, you absolutely can change that, which is an excellent, excellent option. But at the same time, 
you know, it's kind of back and forth in that you choose a rolling release because you want those updates and it's, right. you know, so. Well, well speaking of in- extensions, what are your favorite extensions, Rob? I have got, now when you say favorite, uh, do you mean like extensions I absolutely must install when I'm running GNOME? Well, okay. Well, there's different, for me anyway, there's different, ex- they, I put them in different categories. There's ones that I got to have that I install right away. And then there's other ones that kind of like, you know, extend the desktop a little bit, but they're not like major heart attack issues here. You know what I'm right, saying? So right. what, uh, what is your must have extensions? Well, we mentioned one earlier and that is dash to doc. Um, so with dash to doc, that allows me to take the dock panel, which is on the left. So for those of you who run Ubuntu with Unity, uh, you know, it's all on the left there. Yes. That, so dash to dock allows you to move. Wait, that. there's people that actually use Unity? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's some people experimenting with Unity 8 right now. So, what? Yeah. So, okay. uh, so, yeah, so that'll allow you to remove or to move that dock or panel to the bottom or to the right or keep mm-hmm. it on the left. You know, you've got options there. It'll allow you to do things such as uh, shrink it. Yep. So, uh, you know, depending on your setup, sometimes it may be a little large, uh, depending on the icon packs and everything you have. It allows you to go in and change the background color. Uh, it will allow you to um, have it on permanently or for it to disappear. Intellihide. Intellihide. Intelligent Autohide, I'm sorry. Yep, Intelligent Autohide. But Intellihide sounds cooler. Intellihide is actually an option, I think, in KDE. Okay. Or, or is that in Plank? Yeah, that's in Plank. That's Plank, yeah. I use Plank for KDE, and that's what it's called in there. Yeah. And that's what basically what Dash to Dock, when you put it on the bottom, it mimics Plank. Yeah, it does. It's, it stays open, and you put it on Intelligent Autohide, and it just mimics Plank. And Rocco, I don't know about you, but it has, for me, been flawless. I mean, I've never had issue one out of it. Nope, I've never had an issue in it. You also uh, can use the hotkeys. Right. So when you open the menu with the super key, you can do like super zero, which will bring up the first active window that's there, or super and two will bring up the next one. So there's uh, there's all kinds of things that you can do with it. You can move, and this is something I always do, uh, is you can move the application launcher button from the right to the left. Yes, where exactly you... where it's supposed to be, on the left. On the left. <laughs> <laughs> but you can customize the color. Uh, you can change the opacity of it. Yep. It's just an all-around, you were right, it's a must-have extension. So that would be my number one, I guess. What would be your number one? Well, my number one is sound and input device changer. And ah. that is something that, you know, one of the reasons why I talked about KDE where I have to have that. I mean, that's just something that I got to have. And it, what it does is it makes it so much easier to click the drop down menu and I can see every single output and every single input that I have. And all I have to do is click on it and it immediately switches to that output. And that is something that just awesome. makes everything so good. I mean, that is awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And that falls right in line with our previous conversation about all the troubles within the KDE settings. You compare that to this extension. And let's back up a minute. Let's talk about extensions. Before we go into more of our favorite extensions, let's talk about extensions, what they are, and how they came about 
Um, so extensions are something that you are adding to your desktop environment and they are not built or made by any one specific person. They're, they're uh, designed and built by multiple people. They're the users out there that create these extensions and you can have multiple people working on them. Yes. So you may have an extension by one team or one person that does one specific thing and that's what's so great about it is chances are if you find that you have a need for something, chances are there's an extension that gets you close. Would would you say? Well, I would say it, they definitely get you close. Look, if you install GNOME, I mean, I'm not saying that GNOME is bad. I'm just saying that out of the box, GNOME is kind of like blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just okay. All right. But once you start opening up the extensions – I mean, you can you can basically do almost anything you want with it because there's there's users out there creating these and saying, "Hey, I want this option." So they create this extension and submit it, and there you have it. You got uh, a, you got an, a great add-on that you some you're like, "Wow, wasn't this why wasn't this built in?" Exactly, exactly. Extensions are to gnome. Uh, what it's like if you go into your favorite uh, frozen yogurt place and you just get plain vanilla, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and and then you walk over to that little bar that they always have set up over there that adds, you know, I don't know, you've got 30, 40 different things to choose from, chocolate chips, strawberry, you name it, sprinkles. Right. The extensions are the sprinkles and all the other things you can add to that frozen yogurt, you know, now course in the yogurt place it costs you more because you've just added 10 pounds of weight this is free rob this is the <laughs> this best is price of all well it's not free nothing's free it's of course right. developers time and everything but uh for you to use it's free yeah so all right so now that we've covered extensions so what would you say rocco is your second favorite extension or you don't have to put it in order just a, an extension that you prefer or use one of the extensions that i always install is activities configurator and what is that? That allows you to change all of the elements of the upper left-hand corner where you have the activities, where you have the apps. You can hide the icons. You can change them around. You can change the text on them. Um, But the main reason why I install this extension is because it allows you to check a box and uh, make the the panel transparent which is something that I love. I love a transparent panel. I mean, you look at elementary OS and their panel is transparent and it looks absolutely beautiful. I Agreed. think that's a, a must have. And that allows you to do that with also adding all of the other things that you can do with it. Like I said, moving them around, you can remove the view, the applications or any of those items up at the left-hand corner that you don't want. So if you don't use them, you can remove them. So maybe maybe um, this would be considered a multi-function extension. It's It definitely has multi-functions in it that allows you, it basically allows you to customize the panel. Yep. Okay. To the way you want it. Well, I've got to check that one out. Um, another one on my list that I always use is, and I'm going to use two here uh, because they do similar things. One is called uh, Places. Um, and... It's well, actually, it's called. If you're going to do a search for it, it's called Places Status Indicator. Yep. And what that will do once you have turned that extension on 
is it will give you a places drop down menu in your top panel over towards the left hand side. And that drop down gives you access to your home folder. And so you'll see, for example, your home folder, your documents folder, your downloads folder. And it will also show any folders that you have added and are created and added to your favorites. It also gives you a quick link to your computer as well as your uh, network. So I find that one very valuable. And because that takes me back to uh, the Mate panel where you have application places and system. Yep. So places is one that I just feel like I, I really appreciate for what it is. It's simple. You, you really are not changing anything within the drop down menu other than what you add is your favorite. Now, the other one that I always add is called applications. And Rocco, I guess you would say you, uh, well, you use this, correct? I have put it on. Yes. Okay. Basically, uh, to the left of places, you're going to get a drop-down menu with categories on the left, uh, main categories. So it could be favorites, accessories, you know, graphics, internet, so on and so forth. And it's just a simple menu. You're, there's nothing that you can go in and really change about the menu. But any applications that you have installed will eventually populate into the menu list. And I prefer that access to my list of applications as opposed to the full dashboard, you know, touch-friendly uh, launcher. Well, I definitely use places. And what it also does is if you have any integrated online accounts, it adds a link for that. Ah, too. good point. Um, and the applications, it's it's actually pretty nice. Uh, you When you open it up, you're wondering where your favorites are or because it's, it's a simple menu, but it does give you what you need. Now, I do prefer the full screen launcher, I will say, but that's just me. I usually use a keyboard anyway, so I'm usually hitting the meta key, not the Windows key, the meta key. Or the super key. The super key for uh, opening the menu. Very good. All right, so another one I got is simple, like the places. It's the suspend button. Okay, <laughs> It doesn't do anything except something that should be there by default, and that's add a suspend button right next to the power button when you log off. I mean, how you could make an operating system that doesn't have a suspend button right there, I don't know. But it all it does is add that button so you can hit suspend. So a lot of these extensions that we're discussing, such as the suspend button, which I'm currently not using, but I'm going to check it out, um, you'll find in the forums or you'll find in the comments of the extension. And that's the nice thing about these extensions. When you go to the gnome look or gnome, is it gnome extensions or gnome look? It's gnome extensions. Yeah. Gnome extensions. That's right. We'll put a link there. Uh, is that you'll see comments about the extension that people, you know, people who have used it. Uh, but that's one of the ones that you get uh, frequently when you just said, I don't know why you would have a desktop with, <laughs> You get the uh, comment, this should be default. This should be default, yeah. You'll see that on a multitude of extensions that, hey, this this should be default. Um, the web address is extensions.genome.org. <laughs> and just so you know, you will if you're running Firefox, it'll work. Right. But if you're running Chromium or Chrome, there is actually an uh, add-on or an extension in Chromium to allow it to work. But in Ubuntu, you have to also install the connector um, service in order for it to work as well. 
So just so you know, when you go to, like, if you install GNOME and you run into problems, you, one, have to have the connector service, which when you open the extensions GNOME page, it'll tell you at the top that you need the connector service installed, and it'll give you documentation how to do that. And then once you, but in order to get there, in order to use it, you have to actually install the Chromium Chrome extension to be able to actually see anything on the page. And that is a GNOME extension within Chrome. So you'll add that extension. Correct. Now, also, there it may be that you have to set up XDG. Uh, no, I don't think you have to set up XDG for this. Okay. Um, now, Firefox, I, do, I, didn't, I don't use Firefox, so maybe in Firefox you have to do that. But I thought Firefox worked out of the box with, with yeah. GNOME. That's yeah, and that's what I was going to throw out to to folks is that uh, if you're going to try extensions, try GNOME and try extensions, uh, install Firefox because I've found that it it just seems to work, you know, for turning on the extensions. If you want the hassle free way, install Firefox. If you're <laughs> a sure Chromium user and you want to get it to work with Chrome or Chromium, you can. You just right. got to go to the uh, the Google Store and add the extension. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Rocco, another extension that I really like, and one that I'll mention in a minute kind of covers what you had talked about, but another one that I always install is called Top Icons Plus. And so what that will do for you is within the GNOME desktop, uh, and to me this seems so out of place. The first time I saw it, I thought, was this an afterthought? I mean, <laughs> It's it's just one of those things, and I couldn't get past it. It was just my OCD was kicking in, and it was like, I've got to figure something out here. This can't be. Are you talking about the little tray on the bottom? I am talking about the little tray on the lower left that's so out of place. It's like if it's like you had a sixth digit on your hand or something. You know, it's like if you had two belly buttons or something. It's Look, that out man, of place. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it even worse. You, I mean, it gets worse on a dual monitor setup. Because oh, now yeah. you can't just go down to the left-hand corner. You have to be exact where you're at on the bottom left-hand corner. Right. Because otherwise you go past it. So, yeah, it's definitely an afterthought, I think. Something there, yeah. I just I would love to talk to the person who thought it was a good idea just to say, please explain to me why that is. You know? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Top Icons Plus removes that little panel and puts your icons in the upper right-hand side in my opinion, in my humble opinion, where they belong. So it's not perfect in that the spacing and everything of the different applications that you have running, uh, sometimes they're not spaced perfectly even. Right. But for the most part, I've not had any issues with Top Icons Plus. Uh, everything winds up in the upper right-hand corner system tray side where they should be. And it's nice not having that little, you know, it's like, it's like you see a little scratch on your car for the first time, and now every time you walk out to your car, you, you just you zero right in on that scratch. <laughs> That's what it was like for that little lower left-hand bar. You know, It just was terrible. Well, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know which one it is, but uh, there is an extension, now you say that, <laughs> and I think maybe it's this one here, Status Area Horizontal Spacing. That will uh, eliminate some of the space in between the icons up there. So you nice. may want to check that out. Now, I, I can't. I did install it before, and I used it, but I'm not going to install it right at this moment. But um, I think that will take care of that. What's it but called again, Rocco? 
status area horizontal spacing. See, and so, that's where you wonder. That's and every time I read about an extension, I kind of think to myself, okay. Was this a person who just had the same OCD issue that I did with the space? Yeah, that, I'm serious. That's what it is. These people, they these users, they see a problem and they – it's just I'm not smart enough to go code an extension right. in order to make it work right. So Same here. Uh, yeah. They go and they they start coding this extension, submit it, and bam, there you have it. It's a fix and well, something that should be default. Well, I'm going to throw out a multitude of kudos to all of these extension creators because it really, really makes a difference in how you use the GNOME desktop day in, day out. It does. You couldn't. I don't. Okay. I won't say you couldn't, but maybe you shouldn't use GNOME if you didn't have any extensions. I mean, there would be no point in using GNOME if there were no extensions because it almost, almost is unusable without them. You know, that would be a good chapter in the Gnome for Dummies book. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's almost unusable. Now, when, once you get them installed, once you get the ones you need, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, an, yeah. it's an awesome desktop environment. And I know I'll take heat for saying that Gnome is an awesome desktop environment. But, you know, when something is running right and when it's good, you'd say that it's good. And with extensions, hey, I'm able to boot up into my system and just run. That's right. And not have any problems. So for me right now at this moment, I'm sure that at some point I'll be back to KDE. And I do have KDE installed on another drive. And for testing purposes and videos and whatnot. But sometime I may be back to KDE. But right now, for me, for what works, it's known. That's great. Well, and you're right. Uh, you, you call it what it is. And right now, okay. Uh, do you have any other extensions you want to talk about or share? Um, I, there's a couple other ones that I use, but there's nothing earth shattering like, uh, caffeine. Caffeine yeah. has an extension to, you know, disable the screensaver. Uh, there, there's a extension that I use called disconnect Wi-Fi, and all it does is add a button to disconnect the Wi-Fi if you need to. Uh, just, just little random things like that. There's one for random wallpaper that will pull in wallpaper a random wallpaper from desktopper.co and that's one of a, that's a great place to get wallpapers but it'll pull a random one in when you click on it and it saves you know um, them in your history so there's like nine the nine past wallpapers that you've used it saves and the only other thing it has is an option to open the wall fo wallpaper folder so you can actually save it if you want it but it's simple all it does is change the wallpaper but it's a great little extension well that uh, and that's the kind of thing you'll find when you go in i've got another one it's called dynamic transparency and it simply does what you talked about earlier it makes your top panel transparent which looks beautiful against your wallpaper i think um and the other thing i like about it is it's not transparent 100 percent of the time so if you open a full screen window say your browser it changes back to the that's why it's dynamic Mm -hmm. uh, it changes back to its default color. So, and I like that because I like having um, a difference between the top panel and the application window that I'm, that I'm using the window of the right. application that I'm using. So when there's nothing going on or nothing open full screen, it stays transparent. The minute you launch that application full screen, it goes back to its default. So 
little things like that. But now what I was going to say earlier, Rocco, is we're talking about some terrific, well-done extensions. Right. And these extensions uh, really fundamentally change the way you can interact with the GNOME desktop. Yep. They're great. They're great. But caution, caution, caution. caution. Oh, here's the here's the disclaimer. Well, they're not all perfect. And you will find that people do have issues with some of these extensions. So I just want to throw that out there because I don't want us to get tons of hate mail saying, I installed this extension. <laughs> and the next thing I know, my entire system was, you know what I'm saying. Well, and the other thing I would say, too, is there are multiple extensions for doing similar things. Right. And you want to make sure that you're not installing ones that are conflicting with each other. So there's dash to dock. And then there's also dash to panel, which maybe you should check out. Great point. Yeah. Because dash to panel is it, it basically puts everything in a panel all in one, including the bottom left corner that you hate. And it gives it's you a... <laughs> it gives you an icon display, uh, kind of like the KDE icon task manager where you see your open windows. Okay. All on one window where you can move from the top to the bottom. So if you're not into the GNOME look and you want a more traditional look, Dash to Panel is a good option. But like I said, if you're going to install Dash to Dock and Dash to Panel, they kind of do similar things. So you may want to watch which ones you have enabled and installed because they may be conflicting. Yeah, and we don't we don't want people to to just willy nilly go in and start just adding on extensions. Take your time, read about the extension so that you fully understand what it does. And as you said, that's an excellent point, Rocco. Uh, try not to install two extensions that are trying to do the same thing. And because you have multifunctional extensions, there's a possibility that you know one extension you're using has a feature built into it that interacts with another extension in the wrong manner. And yep. so we just we just don't want you to get in trouble out there just willy-nilly, uh, you know, read through it, take your time, look at the reviews. And- Rocco, why did you suggest this <laughs> extension? It's terrible. It doesn't work. That's right. That's right. You, you messed up my system, Rocco. You owe me a new PC. Yes, exactly. I will get right on that <laughs> after I get myself a new PC. All right. Um, no, you owe me a new you owe me a new seven inch PC that could come with Ubuntu or with three ninety nine. No, for six ninety nine because I'm not giving them any money. <laughs> you got any other uh, GNOME extensions you want to talk about? No, that's it for me, Rocco. There are many, many more. There's, gosh, I don't know how many extensions there are. Do you? There have are pages and pages of extensions. Yeah. The the other thing you gotta realize too is as GNOME updates, these extensions may not work properly the way they have to be continually updated, just like the GNOME desktop. So once it switches to whatever version of GNOME you're on, three point two two, an extension may not work, so you may have to wait for it to get updated as well. Very good. Very good. Yep. All right. Does that well, take Rob, us to YouTube Kernel? YouTube Kernel. YouTube Kernel's great. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm right. YouTube. So we are off to the YouTube Corner, Rob. Thank you. You said it much better than I did, by the way. All right. Well, okay. So I am not going to pronounce his name because I would completely butcher it. But one of the questions posed was, how is Solus funded? Ah. After our video with Ike last week, not last week, two weeks ago now, um, the question is, how is Solus funded? 
Yeah, this came from, uh, I'm just going to go with the last name, Rocco, with Sousa. There you go. That's that's better. And uh, so we're going to put a link to the Sola support page. It's actually funded two different ways. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before. If you can, if you use a particular distribution and you find value in that, you know, we say it's free, but uh, nothing's ever truly free. There's time and, and other people's money involved in, you know, making this stuff happen. So there's two ways you can support Solus, and the uh, link will be solus-project.com forward slash support. And again, we'll put the link there. You can support via PayPal. So you could go in and make, say, for example, a one-time payment via PayPal, uh, or you could support via Patreon. And you'll see links to both of those in the page that we link into the show notes. And right now they have 165 patrons on their Patreon page, which is a a pretty good number. I mean, I don't know compared to other projects, but um, there's definitely interest in Solus and definitely interest in supporting it. So if you're interested in it, I would definitely go there and help them guys out. So that was a good question. Absolutely. And uh, support where you can and when you can. Yep. Well, Rob... I think we've reached our final destination. Oh, boy. So, Rocco, again, thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, You know, I thoroughly enjoyed our extensions discussion because I've got two new extensions to go check out. Well, before we go, if you have any extensions that you use that we didn't mention, put them in the comments, email them to us at comments at destinationlinux.tech. Or join our Telegram group and let us know what extensions you use. That's great. Look forward to seeing you on Telegram. If you hop in and and check everyone out there, say hello. Uh, Look forward to seeing you there. All right. So thank you all for listening. Be safe. And tune in next week when we continue our journey to Destination Destination Linux. Linux. See you, Rocco. See you, Rocco. I mean, it is, it is nine. So it is nine point five. Are you pulling my leg? Maybe. <laughs> Hold <right>. on. <laughs> All Let right, here we go. Me, check. <laughs> All right. Our Zootopia episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Hello, Linux fans. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs>